This week on Are You a Fan? Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And we're also bringing back Mr. Moon for another episode. So, Mr. Moon, what do you know about turtles? Oh, man. They're a staple in a lot of cartoons I watched growing up as a kid. Not <laughs> Never seen any of the comics, but definitely TV shows. And oddly enough, some of the commercials they were in. They were in The Domino's world. commercial. You remember that? Oh. 30 minutes where it's free. Dude, I remember they were in so many things. Yeah. The like, the turtles were definitely a icon of the 90s. That same here. Like, I, I grew up, I actually didn't really even, when I was a kid, I didn't even know they had comics. And that, because I grew up on the cartoon and the movies. Yep. If it was on cable TV, you could watch it. Yep. So, yeah, if you like this episode, give us a like, share, follow, and uh, why don't you give us a subscription? So, let's get well, into we'll send it. send Donatello after you. <laughs> okay, so Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Let's start out with the real world. So Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, sometimes abbreviated to TMNT, is an American media franchise created by comic book artist Kevin Eastman and Peter Lard. Once again, we apologize if we butcher names. The franchise began as a comic book, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which Eastman and Liard conceived as a parody of elements popular in superhero comics at the time. Which is, yeah, kind of funny to think that this was just a parody and then it just took on a life of its own. And became an absolute staple. Oh, yeah. Like, it became its own thing. Yeah. So the first issue was published in 1984 by Eastman and Lard's company, Mirage Studios, and was a surprise success. Which, I mean, yeah, I get when you throw a parody like that out there, you don't really think it's going to become what it's become. Like the scary movies? Yeah. In 1987, Eastman and Lard licensed the characters to Playmate Toys, which developed a line of turtle action figures. About US, ooh, about 1.1 billion U.S. dollars of turtle toys were sold between 1988 and 1992, making them the third best-selling toy figures ever at the time. And to clarify, that's billion with a B. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money, especially in 87. I mean, that is colossal. Dude, like at, at that point, you're ri- you're rivaling, yeah, like the third? Man, that had to beat out a lot of toys at the time. So the action figures were promoted with an animated series which premiered in 1987 and ran for almost a decade. My God, that's how long that cartoon ran? I mean, it had to because I remember watching it when I was a kid. Well, all the reruns were on all the time. That too. The comic book authors Kevin Eastman and Peter Lard met in Massachusetts and began working on illustrations together. In 1983, Lard invited Eastman to move in with him in Dover, New Hampshire. Yeah, uh, like these guys were like really good friends when they started this. So November, uh, so in November, Eastman drew a, a mass turtle standing on its hind legs, armed with nunchucks. Lard added the word "teenage mutant," and thus it was created. It was a napkin idea. The concept parodied several elements popular in superhero comics of the time. Teenagers of New Teen Titans the mutants of Uncanny X-Men, and the ninja of Daredevil, combined with the comic tradition of funny animals such as Howard the Duck. 
So this really was a yep. mishmash of everything that you could possibly think of that they thought was successful back in the time. Right. And just kind of a joke on it. Honestly, I'd say like one of the things I found out that really like made me be like, oh, is apparently the way they would draw the comics too is like one of them would draw a panel with something on it. He'd slide it over to his friend and he'd add to the panel. Like they literally drew these together. Yeah. Eastman and Lard develop, uh, developed the concept into a comic book. They considered giving the turtles Japanese names, but instead named them after Italian Renaissance artists Leonardo, Raphael, Donatello, and Michelangelo, which Lard said felt just quirky enough to fit the concept. Interesting they used art, like Italian artists, and just for the fact that it sounded or felt quirky. Like, yeah. I don't know. Those are... Uh. I mean, it clearly worked. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm sure it would work with any other name, too, because that's how it developed, but that's just such an interesting... Oh, this sounds like it'll fit. You look like a Donatello to me. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Now it do. <laughs> they developed the backstory referencing further elements of Daredevil. Like Daredevil, the turtles are altered by radioactive material, and their sensei, Splinter, is a play on Daredevil's sensei, Stick. Which <laughs> is even... Splinter from a stick. Which is even funny, because both their origin stories mash up. Uh, like, like, it is... There's a huge fan theory that the toxin that blinded Daredevil is the same toxin that gave him their powers, because there were... Like originally, I guess, um, in the turtles' origins, a kid is blinded by the toxin that gives him powers. And in Daredevil's origins, I guess there are turtles present, and that from what I hear, like, yeah, they were just like they're like we're just gonna take that origin story and run with it. (laughs) How convenient, right? So in March 1984, Eastman Lard founded a comic book company, Mirage Studios, in their own home. Using money from a tax refund and a loan from Eastman's uncle, they printed copies of the first issue of of, uh, Mutant Ninja Turtles and advertised it in Comic Book Buyer's Guide magazine. So, yeah, they really just, like, they went for it, man. Hey, man, you got a dream. Right? This attracted the interest of comic distributors, and all 3,000 copies were sold in a few weeks. Sales of further issues continued to climb. Which that's got to be just such a, like, such a feel-good moment. The American dream. Right? So in, uh, so now we're going in 1987 to 1989, toys, animation, and video games. So in 1987, Eastman and Lard licensed Turtles the to Playmate Toys. Which I find funny that the company's called that, especially since the internet has ruined, has rotted my brain to this day. <laughs> So between 1988 and 1997, Playmates produced turtle toys, including around 400 figures and dozens of vehicles and play sets. 400 different. That's a lot. I remember having a lot of their toys, too. Jeez. I loved the turtles. So about so this all culminated into about 1.1 billion dollars u.s dollars of turtle toys ended up being sold in four years 
making them the third best-selling toy figure ever at the time behind G.I. Joe and Star. I was curious who who was the... So better than anything Marvel and anything DC. Yeah. They beat out Barbie. (laughs) Think about that. (laughs) Barbie's not exactly a small toy company. No. They beat out Barbie. That's impressive. Influenced by the success of He-Man, G.I. Joe and Transformers which had promoted toy lines with animated series. Playmates worked with the animation studio Murakami Wolf Swenson to produce the first Turtles animated series, which premiered in 1987 and ran for almost a decade. That's such a fun cartoon, just wacky. Uh, so to make it acceptable to parents and television networks, the series had a lighter tone than the comics with no expletives, less violence, and less threatening villains. Yeah, the comics, which we will get into, are brutal. Like, these are show, like shonen-level comics. Do these, did they follow the comic code back in that era? I don't know if they specifically followed the comic code because it was a parody. Uh, I imagine them being their own licensed comic book company probably didn't probably didn't adhere to it as much as like Marvel would have. Yeah. In the United Kingdom and some other European regions, the franchise was renamed Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles for the violent connotation of the word ninja. I always love it when stupid things like that exist. But this was also back in the 80s that they renamed it in the Euro. Yeah, I wonder what was going on over there. Yeah. So the first Turtles video game was released for Nintendo Entertainment System, NES, in 1989. The first of several developed by Japanese company Konomi. It sold approximately 4 million copies, making it one of the best-selling NES games. I remember... That was one of my favorite games on the on the Nintendo growing up. And you gotta think, too. Back in the 80s, video games were still in their infancy. Yep. And to have anything sell over a million copies is was an incredible milestone in its own right. But then to sell 4 million copies and becoming among the best-selling... It's right up there with Mario yeah. at that point. Yeah. Like, and yeah, no, because yeah, I remember games were really, they had a weird conception, home home game systems in their infancy. Not a lot of respect. Nope. In response to concerns that the series was drifting from its origins, Eastman and Laird published an editorial in the comic in 1989 writing, We've allowed the wacky side to happen and enjoyed it very much. All the while, though, we've kept the originals very much ours. Eastman later said that there was some stuff that we wish we hadn't said yes to, and Laird wrote of his dislikes for the softer tones of the animated series. But I wonder, though, because of them making it softer for general audiences and kids and stuff on TV, is that what made it popular? Putting it in front of the age, or put it in front of the eyes of the younger gem generation or the younger demographic is what made it popular. Oh, I believe that's a hundred percent what happened. Well, I mean, cause like I remember there's a lot of, especially cartoons don't 
a lot of people nowadays, I think, have been kind of spoiled by the way cartoons are being more taken seriously. Like, especially anim, anim, like anime cartoons. Back in the day, you couldn't get a serious cartoon off the ground. Like, I remember the original Spawn cartoon. That only lasted one season was immediately canceled. Oh. And that because, like, it was good. Like, it was good. It was true to the comic, but it's a dark comic. But, you know, you can't really sell toys to adults back then. Yeah. It's not like now. Like, we've been spoiled now from where we've come. Uh, This is what made this a sustainable thing. Um, It's one of those, like, where it's like, yeah, it sucks that they had to change things. But but... count your blessings, right? Exactly. (laughs) So, the early 90s saw the commercial peak of the franchise. The first Turtles film was released in 1990, Featuring costume design by Jim Henson, uh, Jim Henson's Creature Shop. So, uh, Jim Henson. God, I love that guy. Dude who did Dark Crystal and also worked on Star Wars. Oh, that's why his name pops. Yep. Okay. Yeah, no, this was, this was a, like, yeah, Star Wars, um, Dark Crystal, Labyrinth. Like, this was the puppeteer master company. Okay, that's pretty awesome. It was based more closely on the comic than the animated series with a darker tone. It was the fourth highest grossing film of 1990 and the highest grossing independent film at that point, earning more than $200 million worldwide. Wow. Fourth highest grossing film of the ni- of 1990. That is... Well, films to beat out. <laughs> yeah. Also, didn't realize it came out a year before I was born. Way to date yourself. Right? Oh, God. <laughs> I'm old. I'm, I'm almost as old as the first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. Oh, well, I'll get you a little gold sticker. <laughs> so, Eastman and Lard... Uh, so, Eastman and Lard's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, premiered in May 1984 at a comic book convention held a local Sheraton Hotel in uh, Portsmouth, New Hampshire. It was published by their company, Mirage Studios, in an oversized magazine-style format using black and white artwork on cheap newspaper. Limited to a print run of 3,000 copies, it was initially intended as a one-shot, but due to its popularity, it became an ongoing series. Okay, so that explains how they got the comic started. I didn't think... Yeah, because that's the premiere, 1984. They went to a convention, so not only did they put it in the comic book buyer's guide to advertise it, they just made it on a really cheap newspaper magazine. Which, could you imagine how much one of those is worth now? (laughs) If you could find an original? If you can find an original... After publication was temporarily assumed by Image Comics for the third volume, Laird, by then the sole owner of the franchise, and Lawson relaunched the main series at Mirage, was a fourth volume in 2001. So, and I've seen things, like, because I've watched different documentaries. Like I said, I'm a big Turtles fan. I've watched different documentaries on the creators, and the honestly, the rise to fame puts so much strain on their friendship. I mean, yeah, that can be said for a lot of things. Yeah. It's, kinda, it's, always a, it's always a rough one, especially when one person was like, this was just supposed to be a fun joke. Like, I'm not, 
looking to make a career out of this. And yeah, so, but let's move on. Uh, following the sale of the franchise to Nickelodeon in late 2009, Laird retained the right to continue the Mirage series, but no issues have been released since the release of number 32 in 2014. The, and Mirage Studios was wound down in 2001. It's interesting that, that they keep the studio open for seven years like that without producing any new comics. I think if there, was, there was probably hope. That's, man, this is a depressing episode. <laughs> I'm sad. In total, the main Mirage series lasted for 129 issues, spanning four separate volumes of 62, 13, 23, and 32 issues, respectively. Additional one-shot issues and miniseries were published over the years. Mirage also published a companion book entitled Tales of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which was designed to fill in the gaps of the continuity in the TMNT universe. Which, honestly, now, like, there's a new... Uh, but, yeah, there's a current series called The Last Shonen uh, that's going on that's... Um, honestly, I want to get... I want to buy, buy it and read it because it's basically... I don't know if it's an alternate reality, but it's kind of an end wrap-up to the Turtles story, which gets real dark. <laughs> like, there's only one turtle alive in the oh. series. And he's using the weapons of his brothers. That'd be really interesting to hear what happened to the other three. Right? Like, it's one of those, like, I definitely, it's one that I want to read and then, like, find out. But, uh, so there is a currently an ongoing series. That I'm not sure it's ended yet, but I know, like, it's getting close to wrapping up. So for those of you listening, go check it out. Let's travel in-universe. Okay. So in most versions, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are created when four baby turtles are exposed to radioactive ooze, transforming, transforming them into humanoids. Which I think we kind of covered in the real world talking about that. But yeah, the ooze. Mmm, delicious. <laughs> Tastes like lemonade. Leonardo, the leader, is the most disciplined and skilled turtle. An expert swordsman, he wields two katanas and wears a blue bandana. Raphael, the strongest and most hot-headed turtle, wears a red bandana and uses a pair of sai. Donatello uses his intellect to invent gadgets and vehicles. He wears a purple mask and uses a bow staff. Michelangelo is the least disciplined and most fun-loving turtle and is usually portrayed as the fastest and most agile. He wears an orange bandana and uses nunchucks. Splinter is a mutant rat who is the wise adoptive father of the turtles and teaches them ninjutsu. In some iterations, he was once the pet rat of a ninja master, Hamato Yoshi. In others, he is a mutated Yosh. What? I don't know what that is. Yoshi? Mm. Anyways, <laughs> moving on. Okay. So, in both the original comics and live action movies, Splinter is the part. Uh, in both the original comics and the live action movies, Splinter is the pet rat of a ninja named Hamato, uh, Him, Hamato Yoshi in Japan. Intelligent for his species, Splinter is able to learn ninjutsu art by mimicking his master's movements while he practices. 
Also, fun little thing about the original comics, the turtles did not have different colored bandanas. Oh, really? They were all red. Well, I guess they were, changed them out so you could tell them apart. That's kind of why they did alter them like for the cartoons and the other iterations. But the re- reason they were originally all red was because they are all part of the same clan. Yeah. And also in a black and white comic, you can't really tell. Yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. Yoshi becomes embroiled in a dispute with a fellow ninja by the name of Oroku Nagi and is eventually murdered by Nagi's brother, Oroku Saki, who is seeking revenge for his brother's death. So, yep, uh, that's basically that's basically Shredder. <laughs> oh. Without a home, Splinter is forced to run away and live in New York City sewers due to a traffic accident, four baby turtles and a canister of mutagenic ooze are sent down into the sewer. I wonder where that... What the story of that mutagenic ooze is. Like, where did it come from? I'm sure... I, I'm wondering if they do explain that in the original comics. Because I know in some of the cartoons they have explanations and, like, plot lines that explain it. That's a good question. All right. The canister mutates both Splinter and the Turtles. It also enhances the former's already sophisticated intelli- uh, intellect. Yeah, Splinter is a very intelligent character. He's the wise old master. So Splinter names the four turtles Leonardo, Donatello, Raphael, and Michelangelo after a book on Renaissance artists that he found in a storm drain, which I like that they give an explanation to how he came to those names. Uh, He then trains them in the arts of ninjutsu so that they can avenge his dead master while raising them as his own sons as well as educating them. No small task. Yeah, right? There's a single dad out here, man. All right, so now we're going to break down the four different turtles and talk over them. Uh, Leonardo. Leo is the main protagonist of the comics. He does not explicitly refer to himself as a leader in the early stories, except for in issue number 44, The Violent Underground. He is the one to usually take uh, charge of the turtles when Splinter is not present. He is often at odds with his more hot-headed younger brother, Ralph. Yeah, they always have a bit of a issue with each other, and that which I get it. One's hot head, one's more calm, and trying to like just be like, I'm just trying to keep the family together. In Leonardo uh, number one, what goes around comes around. Leo goes out for a run on the rooftops of New York City and is, and is ambushed by the Foot Clan. He puts up a fight against the army of foot ninjas, but is overwhelmed. Beaten to near unconsciousness, he is thrown through April O'Neil's apartment window. The remaining turtles and Splinter are forced to continue the fight, but even with the aid of Casey Jones, the odds are against them. Which I find this interesting, because if I remember correctly, I think in the first live-action movie, it's Raphael who gets ambushed. Oh. So this was kind of a... Because, yeah, this is weirdly, like, the first movie stayed kind of accurate to the comics. And, yeah, if I remember correctly, this was one of the big switches they did. So if I remember correctly, it's been so long since I've seen the movie. (laughs) So he repeatedly attempts unsuccessfully to hunt deer. While out hunting, he sees April fall through the ice into a lake, and he rescues her... In subsequent issues, it is implied that Leonardo has regained his 
uh, regain most of his confidence. So yeah. When, so um, after getting completely mopped by the Foot Clan, I mean, pretty, I'd be pretty humiliated too if I got beat up by a group called the Foot Clan. Why is it always a limb? <laughs> like all these ninja groups and that are just named after some limb. I don't know. All right, let's get into Raphael. Raphael, nicknamed Raph, is a superhero and one of the four main characters of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle comics in all related media. In most iterations, he's depicted as the second eldest of the Turtle brothers and often at odds with his eldest brother, Leonardo. Brotherly love. Right? Families. He is usually depicted wearing red eye mask. In this regard, he is the only turtle to retain this color since the original incarnation of the characters, as the remaining turtles received different colors at a later time. Ah, there it is. Thought I'd put that in there. Hey. So, Raphael wields twin Psy as his primary weapons. He is commonly portrayed in the media as speaking with a Brooklyn accent. Raphael is known for his temperamental and cynical personality, being short-tempered, aggressive, sullen... Um, maddened and sarcastic and rebellious. Just add to the list. Right? In Brooklyn accent? Really? That's kind of always been, yeah. He's always had a Brooklyn accent. Uh, all right. The origin of Raphael's anger is not always fully explored, but in some incar- incarnate, bleh, incarnate. incarnations, the, orig- the origin of Raphael's anger is not always fully explored. But in some incarnations, appeared to be stemmed partially from the realization that they're the only creatures of their kind and ultimately alone, while also bothered by the injustice the helpless and innocent suffer. It's definitely, I'd say Raph's biggest problem I've noticed throughout all his reincarnations is like, he wants to go out there and help. Like, he wants to be recognized and be able to, like, be a symbol and help, but, you know... Society isn't exactly ready for giant mutant turtles walking the streets. <laughs> I'd be a little confused, too, if I saw a giant turtle walking down Brooklyn. Right? So, Raphael is an opinionated and independent character who cha- uh, chafes under authority. He serves as the team's protector. A combination of his personality and role contributes to his r- rivalry and frequent arguments with his eldest brother uh, and leader, Leonardo. Which makes sense. Like you, I it, he may be a bit of a jerk, but it's with the best of intentions. When he feels as though Leonardo's decision is not in the best intent for the family, for whatever reason, he's sure to voice it. Yep, he's definitely the first one to speak up. So, in the earliest black and white Mirage comics, Raphael was the most violent turtle and had a tendency for going berserk either in battle or when the or when his temper flared up. Danger turtle, danger turtle. (laughs) He has a somewhat cynical and sarcastic sense of humor. In later issues, it is shown that he is not particularly fond of the supernatural, stating so explicitly in Tales of Raphael, Bad Moon Rising. Yeah, bit scared of ghosts. So, Raphael... So Raphael mellowed somewhat as the series went on. Possibly a key moment for his character development was when he allowed Leonardo to go in alone to defeat the Shredder after nearly being killed by the Foot Elite. 
Just solid character growth. Since then, he had been less likely to challenge Leonardo's leadership and on the whole is more friendly towards his family and allies. Okay, let's get into Donatello. So in the comics, Donatello is depicted as the calmest turtle. While the comics portrayal of the team has no official command structure, in the early series, he is depicted as next in command and the closest brother to Leonardo. Which makes sense. He's more the tech guy. He's more logical. In the first issue, he is the one that killed the Shredder by knocking him and his grenade off the roof. The second issue elaborated more on each turtle's true personalities and opened with Donatello soldering a circuit. Nerd. I was going to say, this sounds like your turtle. (laughs) So later in the issue, Donatello states that he is familiar with some computer systems and helps April O'Neil deactivate the Mausers during the turtles' exile to uh, Northampton. Donatello becomes obsessed with fixing up and repairing many broken things within the farmhouse where they are living. It my really God, does sound like was, my turtle. I was going to say, I'm like, this, <laughs> uh, this sounds like you. <laughs> I feel attacked. Most notably, he spent days and nights fixing the boiler to give his family hot running water and built a windmill and water wheel to provide electricity. He also finds an old typewriter and writes his own personal credo. It's kind of cool, right? Yeah. So, okay, let's get into Michelangelo, Last of the Turtles. So, in Mirage comic books, Michelangelo, Michelangelo was initially depicted as fun, loving, carefree, go-lucky, and while not as aggressive as Raphael, always ready for a fight. I could, yeah, even in his later ones and that, like, he's not shy. He doesn't shy away from violence. Yeah. And he's not, like, gung-ho. He doesn't want to hurt people, but he's just definitely like, like, yeah, let's have fun. He is much more serious-natured in the comic book than in the film Incarnations, which have labeled the characters a permanent dude talking teenager. Yeah. He's definitely more of the bro one. Like, if <laughs> any of them were going to be stoners... It's this one. So it was Michelangelo's one shot in the series that flash uh, that fleshed out most of the traits that have become synonymous with the character, such as his playfulness, empathy, and easygoing nature. He adopts a cat in one of them. Hey. After their defeat at the hands of the Foot Clan, the Turtles, Splinter, April O'Neil and Casey Jones retreat to the farmhouse in Northampton, Massachusetts, which used to belong to Casey's grandmother. While there, April is worried uh, to note that Michelangelo is not himself. He spends his days in the barn uh, taking out his aggression on a punching bag. Hey, you gotta get pumped, dude. Right? Gotta get that anger out somehow. A scene shows him lashing out at his surroundings and repeatedly punching the wall of the barn until it breaks, then collapsing on it despondently, anger spent. So, yeah, definitely, definitely laying it out. So the end of the story implies that Michelangelo's sorrow and frustration have been resolved as subsequent issues restore Michelangelo's more relaxed, optimistic personality. Which is good. Yeah. 
It is during the group's time at the farm we learn that Michelangelo also has an interest in comic books, specifically ones involving superheroes such as the Justice Force. The comic book here is based on the Justice League and the Fantastic Four. He also finds solace in writing fiction and has produced a story depicting himself as a ronin in feudal Japan. Volume 1, issue 17. <laughs> That's kind of cool, right? Yeah. Okay, so let's get into the original, conclu- the original story's conclusion. Original story conclusion in the return uh, in the return to New York storyline, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Volume One, uh, issue number nineteen to twenty-one. Raphael demands that the turtles return to New York to confront the Foot Clan and the Shredder. He accuses Leonardo of cowardice, and then and the arguing brothers fight. Oh, go figure, right? Leonardo is beaten by Raphael, who throws Leonardo through the wall of the barn and leaves. Along with his younger brother Donatello and his youngest brother Michelangelo, Leonardo returns to New York and reunites with his wayward brother in the old sewer lair. Get the family together. It's one of those, like, I I get his wanting to go out there and take on the Foot Clan Shredder and that, but maybe don't go alone. I'm just saying, didn't work out for your brother. So the three go along with Raphael's plan to storm the foot headquarters, where once again, Raphael goes off on his own to fight the Shredder. He is ambushed and beaten by the Shredder's elite guard, but is rescued by Leonardo. (laughs) The irony. I know, right? (laughs) This prompts Raphael to cede to Leonardo's leadership, leaving him to fight the Shredder. Leonardo engages in a bloody battle with the Shredder that ends up on the rooftop of the building. Leo ends the battle by decapitating the Shredder just as the building implodes. The Turtles later burn the Shredder's corpse on a, on a funeral pyre in a nearby Manhattan harbor. So yeah, yeah, the original one actually ends pretty quick with them killing the Shredder. Yeah. Like he's not, he's, originally he's not very much a reoccurring character. <laughs> So, yeah, that's kind of what we got for the original origins of the Ninja Turtles. And, I mean, heck, we've seen them come a long way since then. I am pretty excited for the new movie coming out, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Let's get into weapons and skills. So, uh, Katana, Sai, Bowstaff, Nunchucks, and they all do use throwing stars. And they all are generally skilled in multiple, like, shonen weapons. And that even kind of they're like each one of them can use each other's weapons, but they have their ones that they are more honed to. And also, you know, ninjutsu. Hey. Masters of stealth and you know Masters of these fists. Exactly. <laughs> In other media, TV, there were there were four animated TV series. The first three all named Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. The first airing, 1987 to 1996. The second airing, 2003 to 2009. And the third, from 2012 to 2017. And the fourth rise of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, airing 2018 to 2020. Okay, so while there were no comic books from that time, they made TV series. Oh, yeah. The TV series definitely kept it I didn't realize they made it going on for so long. Oh, dude, I remember I've... I've seen almost all of these. The only one I never got, I didn't quite get into, was the rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. But I've seen some clips of it, and it 
animation wise it looks pretty spectacular some of the fight scenes wow there was a two episode series that aired in japan in 1987 there's also a live action ninja turtles the next mutation that aired 1997 to 1998 i forgot about that one we choose to forget about that one i was gonna say it wasn't the greatest (laughs) in film teenage mutant ninja turtles in 1990 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze in 1991. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3 in 1993. Where all the live action films were the turtles, where costumes were designed by Jim Henderson's Creature Shop. An animated TMNT release in 2007. It was alright. was alright? It wasn't. It was kind of one of those ones where you're like, how is this not a like, straight to DVD? <laughs> like they aired it yeah. in theaters and I saw, I remember I watched it and I was like I mean it wasn't I'll say it wasn't bad it was just a random plot that had nothing to really do with any of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles stories and just it felt like it would have been a straight to TV like side movie alright in 2014, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and the sequel Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Out of the Shadows in 2016 were reboots to the franchise with the Turtles being motion captured this time around. So still animated, but motion capturing. So somebody yeah. knew, knew some ninjutsu when they did the filming. I was going to say, they were those ones are all right. Like They're not the best, but uh, they, they, tri- they tried. They're a fun watch. They are set to appear in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem in August 2023. That's the one I'm excited for. I'll say, like, they're definitely changing it up in it, but, like, it's one of those, like, seeing the previews, it feels like the Ninja Turtles. So who's making this movie? If the original uh, studio... Seth, uh, Seth Rogen. Seth... Really? Yep, the guy from Knocked Up. He's also the guy who's uh, doing Invincible. He's uh, one of the producers of The Boys. And yeah, he's doing the Ninja Turtles. He even voices one of the characters. (laughs) They got... This has a star-studded cast. The only cast members, I'd argue, who aren't star-studded are the Turtles. Because they got actual... Because it takes place from from the Turtles being actual teenagers. So they actually found teenage voice actors to portray the Turtles. As one of those, they're going with younger turtles, and they're going with a bit of a different plot. But I will say, it's one of the few times because the the other the last live actions they did, they were fun, but they didn't feel like the turtles. This one, like just from the previews, it feels like the Ninja Turtles. I don't know how else to describe that. <laughs> they appeared in tabletop role playing game. 1985 Palladium Books published Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Other Strangeness. Huh. They have a food tie-in. They had a cereal described as checks with TMNT-themed marshmallows. <laughs> there was a pizza crunchabungus, <laughs> which were pizza-flavored corn snacks in the shape of a whole pizza. Hostess yeah. also had TMNT pie, which featured a crust covered in a green glaze with vanilla pudding inside. Interesting. Huh. And to wrap it up, that a concert tour. In 1990, Pizza Hut sponsored a concert tour tying, trying to capitalize on the Turtles' popularity. The Coming Out of Their Shells tour featured live-action Turtles playing music as band 
or as a band around the familiar plot line of April O'Neil being kidnapped by Shredder and having to rescue her. How do you make that? <laughs> what? How do you make that a concert? Ah, uh, that's a good question. Uh, is it like frozen on ice? I'm imagining it's like one of those Disney. Well, I mean, heck, we found out the Avengers have a live action musical thing. Oh, no. Remember? Yeah. So, yeah, that'd be, that would have been an interesting thing to go see. Man, the 90s were wild. The 90s were uncharted chaos. Yeah, it was. So, yeah, that's kind of what we got for the Turtles. Um, I'm going to ask you, uh, like I ask every week, uh, you a fan, Mr. Moon? I mean, I've grown up with the Ninja Turtles, and yeah, I am a fan just because the memories and the nostalgia that it brings back. Oh, uh, right? Every like time. The good parts of our, our life that were stress-free and enjoyed things. <laughs> Days gone and passed. I'll miss it. But you know what? I'm a fan, too. For anyone that's still listening, if you got something out of this, enjoyed the episode, or even liked the character before from a movie, a comic, cartoon, hell, even that t-shirt that you saw one time, you're a fan, too. If you want to jump on this train, why not subscribe and share with a friend? Dick Rail out. Y'all keep riding them rails.